Hi, ladies. I am Shelly Davis. I'm part of the Women in the Word teaching team, and I love women in the Word, and I love being with like-minded women who study the Bible and learn for it, from it. So thanks for being here today. Thanks for being here. Now, those of you that have known me for a while have heard me talk about um, my three boys. Uh, in the years that those boys were still at home, they're all more than grown and gone now with families of their own. But in the years that they were still at home, I stand before you this morning to tell you that my relationship with my boys had a distinct aroma to it, a distinct <laughs> aroma. And it was mostly that aroma of boy sweat and boy dirt. Um, occasionally it was the aroma of pizza that they'd had for lunch on their clothes. By the time they were teenagers, um, our house had boy aroma from the front door to the back door. And I tried to counter that aroma, which you could recreate this morning if you had an old baseball cleat sitting around. You could just put your face in it. That was how, um, that was how my house smelled. But I tried to counter that aroma by seriously burning scented candles all over my house all the time. My sweet husband constantly said to me, you're going to burn your, the house down with these candles. And you know what? There were some days that would have been a blessing because <laughs> of the way that it smelled. Um, then there was the evening, and my sweet husband Billy and I still laugh about this, when he came in the back door and he said, well, I just heard on the news that candle wicks are dangerous for our health. You're going to have to stop burning candles. Now, his version of this story is that rays came out of my eyes. Uh, my version is, is that I very calmly told him that the boys only stayed if the candles stayed. Um, and he, he must have taken me seriously because he never, ever mentioned the candles ever again. We have a lesson this morning um, as we continue to study the tabernacle, that's going to show us how our relationship with God also has a distinct aroma to it. But that aroma is fragrant, and it's intoxicating, and it's the fragrance of a blessing that God has given us, not through those little scented candles, but in the form of prayer. You know, prayer is that unique ingredient of our relationship with a holy God. It's that unique ingredient of that a relationship that exists between God and his chosen people. You know, prayer is how we commune with God, um, how we commune with our creator, talking to him and listening to him. And that sweet blessing of prayer that talking and listening to him is really meant to permeate every single area of our lives, just like the fragrance of a scented candle or a specially blended incense permeates a room. You know, prayer does connect us to God wherever we are and whenever we need to, doesn't it? There are no boundaries on our prayer life, just like a fragrance. You can't stop a fragrance at the door of a room, can you? When you open that door, the fragrance flows through it. There are no boundaries on our prayer, and that's because he wants to know us, and he wants us to know him. Prayer is that conduit for the fragrance that is part of our 
holy relationship. Now the scriptures actually tell us that it is God's will for us to pray in good times and in bad times, in good places and in bad places. Look at your verse sheet this morning. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So we're going to explore that sweet fragrance that connects us to God as we talk about another piece of holy furnishing in the holy place of the tabernacle. Open your Bibles to Exodus chapter 30. We're going to read verses 1 through 6 together. Verse 1 says, You shall make an altar on which to burn incense. You shall make it of acacia wood. A cubit shall be its length and a cubit its breadth. It shall be square and two cubits shall be its height. Its horns shall be of one piece with it. You shall overlay it with pure gold, its top and around its sides and its horns. And you shall make a molding of gold around it. And you shall make two golden rings for it. Under its molding on two opposite sides of it, you shall make them. And they shall be holders for the poles with which to carry it. You shall make the poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold, and you shall put it in front of the veil that is above the ark of the testimony, in front of the mercy seat that is above the testimony where I will meet with you. The altar of incense is what we're speaking of this morning. It is the third furnishing inside the holy place of the tabernacle. I believe we have a slide that will be coming up just to show us the layout of the tent that is inside the courtyard that we call the tabernacle. Um, Deb talked about that tinted structure last week. Great lesson. Inside the holy place is the golden lampstand, which we see that on the left right there in the holy place. On the right, we see the table of showbread. And then back there by the curtain, the veil that separates the holy place from the most holy place, we see the altar of incense. Now you can also see that the Ark of the Covenant with the mercy seat sits just on the other side of that curtain that separates the holy place from the most holy place. And that's where God dwells, right there on that mercy seat between those two cherubim. The altar of incense sits close to him, just on the other side of that curtain. Now we see here in this text, uh, show me my second slide if you will. There it is, that altar of incense. We see in this text that once again this piece of furniture is made from acacia wood overlaid with gold just like the table of showbread was in the Ark of the Covenant. And on the slide you can see that it has a molding of gold around the top. That is there to hold that burning incense. And we see those four horns um, on the corners. And there are four rings, two on the front, two on the back, that hold the acacia wood poles to transport it. In verse 6, it's God himself that directs the placement. He's the decorator of the holy place here. He doesn't leave it to the priest to decide where that altar of incense to go should go. He places it as close to the curtain and the presence of God as it can be without being inside the holy of holies itself. Now, if you looked at the dimensions of the... Um, altar of incense you know that it was 18 inches square one cubit 
all the way around. It was the only square piece in the furnishings. We also see that it was taller than the other furnishings. And there were some theologians that um, felt like that gave it prominence among the furnishings, that it, the height of it was taller than the other furnishings. Now, God tells us the purpose of the altar here in verse 1. He tells us the purpose is to burn incense, um, and that's why we had that gold rim around the top. So it would hold those burning coals. They wouldn't fall off onto the floor or onto the uh, curtain, but the coals were placed and then the incense poured on top of it. Now there are certainly some practical reasons for them to be burning a fragrant incense in the tabernacle tent. Um, if you remember, just like my house was filled with boy aroma, the tabernacle and the courtyard were constantly filled with animals day in and day out that were used as blood sacrifices. So you would have uh, that aroma all day long of animals coming and going. I'm sure there were um, animal droppings as well, and there was the smell of blood, uh, which has a distinct aroma as well. That would have been constant all day, every day. In the tabernacle, it would have permeated the tent of the meeting as well. That's the practical reason, that if we search the scriptures, which I know you did in your homework, you know that there is a deeper spiritual meaning um, for the table dedicated to the burning of aromatic incense. Look at Psalm 141 with, on your verse sheet. Let my prayer be counted as incense before you and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. And Revelation 5.8 says, And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And Revelation 8, 3 and 4 says, And another angel came and stood at the altar with a golden censer, and he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne, and the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints rose before God from the hand of the angel. Throughout the scriptures, incense seems to be symbolic for the prayers of God's people, for this communion that passes between God and his people. And as the smoke of incense rises and fills the holy spaces of our God, that's exactly the way our prayers rise up and fill the heavenly spaces where God himself sits. The psalmist talks here of his prayers being accepted before God just as the incense is offered on the altar of incense each evening. And actually in Luke, we see people praying outside the temple at what's called the hour of incense. So that gives us the thought that there were people that gathered in the temple to pray morning and night when the incense was offered. Look at Luke 1 on your verse sheet. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense, just as the priest went in to offer that incense. So the altar of incense stands next to the veil, separated only by a few feet from the presence of holy God. Uh, it offers an incredible picture for us this morning, an insightful picture, a majestic picture. The altar of incense is beautifully constructed, isn't it? 
and it's carefully placed. It wasn't haphazardly put in the holy place. It is the source of constant aromatic fragrance and haze that fills up the holy place and then it wafts through that linen curtain that separates it from the most holy place and it swirls around the uh, mercy seat where God, where God himself uh, sits. That is insightful and majestic as we study it because it gives us a picture today, doesn't it? It gives us a picture of the heavenly spaces where God sits right at this moment. And around him swirl our prayers. Prayers you offered this morning. Prayers I offered this morning. Prayers you offered last night before you went to bed. The prayers you're going to pray all day long as you go through your day. It's the sweet aroma, isn't it, of our need for him. Our trust in him our love for him, and it's expressed night and day. When we lift up that thought in prayer, I saw some of you this morning on your uh, phones. I got a prayer request this morning on my phone, and I immediately stopped and lifted it up. Those prayers, all of them, are wafting around our holy God right now. You know, until we live, uh, until we live face-to-face with him in a new heaven, which we are going to do eventually, but we don't do it today. It's going to be our prayers that build and grow this beautiful, intimate relationship with him. The altar of incense, as it sits in the holy place, reminds us of the beautiful and intimate relationship that we have with God through our prayers. And you know, As I was studying this, I was so reminded that just like the altar that is portable and transportable and goes with the Israelites every time they're told to pack up that tabernacle and go, every place we go, all day to day, our prayers and our ability to communicate with our God is going to go with us, no matter where we go and what happens in our lives. Okay, so let's look at the incense itself. Drop your eyes down, if you would, in chapter 30 to verse 34. And let's read verse 34 together. The Lord said to Moses, Take sweet spices, stacti, onica, and galbanum, sweet spices with pure frankincense. Of each there shall be an equal part, and make an incense blended as by the perfumer, seasoned with salt, pure and holy. You shall beat some of it very small and put part of it before the testimony in the tent of the meeting where I shall meet with you. It shall be most holy for you, and the incense that you shall make according to its composition, you shall not make for yourselves. It shall be for you holy to the Lord. Whoever makes any like it to use as perfume shall be cut off from his people. God has a special recipe, doesn't he? He has a special recipe for incense, and he gives it to Moses here in detail. It's equal parts of these three kind of unpronounceable spices. Two of these spices are actually gum resin from fragrant plants. So two of them are plant resins. And the third, the um, 
Annika was from a mussel that lived in nearby bodies of water and they would scrape portions of this mussel off to use it as part of this incense recipe. So these three were blended with pure frankincense, which Vanita told us a couple of weeks ago comes from something uniquely and strangely called the frankincense tree. Um, and those Four ingredients are what makes up the incense. Now, three of them, these two spices and the frankincense, were um, plant-based gum resins, which meant they were volatile. They had oil in them that meant that they burned quickly and they burned readily. Uh, God also included salt in his recipe here, if you noticed. And we all know that salt is a preservative. But when I studied this, I learned it had another reason as well. Apparently, when you burn salt, it gives a white smoke. So there would be a visibility to this incense as it wafted up in the holy place and through the curtain to the most holy. And salt, I also learned, would um, increase the fragrance. It made it more pungent if you added salt to this mixture. So after compounding the incense, uh, God gives directions that it's to be placed before the testimony in the tent of the meeting And I love this phrase, where he will meet with them. When God tells them that it is to be most holy for them, in verse 36, he's emphasizing this is his special incense recipe. Have you ever given out a recipe to someone and said, don't share it with anyone else? You don't want to show up at the special family dinner and find out that the sister-in-law you don't really like has used your uh, special uh, recipe for something. Um, God actually is more intense than that. He spells it out in verse 37 when he says, don't make it for yourselves. In other words, don't decide, I really need that fragrance in my tent as well. And if anyone does make it for themselves, they're going to suffer a penalty. He says here in the text that they would be cut off. Now that um, terminology could be, um, it could be that they would be placed in exile outside the camp, but most theologians think that it means death, that it is a severe penalty because this is a special holy recipe meant for God himself. Look at Leviticus 10 here on your verse sheet. Now Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took a censer and put fire in it and laid incense on it and offered unauthorized fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. And fire came out from before the Lord and consumed them, and they died before the Lord. You know, this is a clear and dramatic example in Leviticus, isn't it? That those that are nearest to the Lord, that have been given a responsibility by him, um, are required to respect and obey his commands. If not, there will be consequences. And we really don't know from this little bit of text what their exact uh, specific disobedience was. It could have been that they didn't use the incense recipe that we're given here in the text. It could have been that they just grabbed up something, um, maybe a common incense that they used around their own tent and put it in their censers. It could also be that they used fire from their own fire because it was a requirement we learn in Leviticus that they take coals from the uh, bronze altar of sacrifice. That was the fire that was supposed to come 
uh, with the altar of incense. Uh, it could have been that they offered it at the wrong time, uh, that they didn't obey his obedience for morning and night when they trimmed the wicks. But whatever it was, they were in direct disobedience to God's instructions concerning his incense, whether it was the recipe, the fire, or the timing. There's actually speculation among scholars that these two guys had been partying and that um, they had had too much to drink and that is why they did not know what time it was or what they were using um, and they suffered uh, pretty severe consequences for that. A holy God expects his holiness to be honored and glorified through obedience. We don't have to be holy. We simply have to be obedient or we can expect consequences. So if the altar of incense represents the prayers of the saints filling the heavenly realm, what can we learn about prayer from God's special recipe here for incense? I think the first thing that we can learn about uh, from his special recipe is that the incense, as it was crafted, uh, is placed on the table that is close to him. That's what he tells us here in the text. Make this recipe and put it before the testimony in the tent of the meeting where I shall meet with you. He says, place it next to me. What we can do this morning, today, is read... Um, God's saying to us, bring your prayers close to me. Bring all your prayers. Mix them all together. Whatever it is you need, bring them to me right here where I will meet with you. You know, our prayers are important to God, just like this special recipe of incense was important to him. Um, our prayers are times, our prayer times are the special place where God wants to meet with us. Look at James 4.8 on your verse sheet. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Put that incense next to the testimony in the holy place. Bring your prayers and draw near to me. You are my people. The altar of incense reminds us that our prayer opportunities are truly real opportunities to be close to our God. They're not just something on our checklist to check off every single day. Um, you know, social media is an interesting phenomena in our culture, isn't it? Uh, and I, I think that social media, although there's some great things about it, I love seeing everyone's pictures and knowing what's going on in the lives of my um, family that live far away, but I also think it gives us an opportunity to have what I call fake relationships with people that we never actually spend time with. Because on Facebook or Instagram, I can see every day of your vacation. I can see when your kids have started school and what grades they started. I can see your anniversary uh, celebration if you have posted that. But we haven't actually sat down together, have we? I haven't seen or heard the joy in your voice when you talk about that first day your five-year-old went to kindergarten or how excited you are to celebrate a whole lot of years of marriage with your husband. We have not been face-to-face, -face, and yet I know a whole um, lot of your life, even though we don't really have a real relationship. You know, it's face-to-face -face 
that is the sweet aroma of a relationship that grows deep and personal. You know, sometimes we even have um, a social media relationship with God as well, don't we? We may know a few things about him because we sit every week in church or every other week in church. I have an app on my phone that pops up a scripture every day, and when it does, I read it. Uh, Maybe you get an email devotional and you cruise through it in the morning when you're reading your emails. I do that too. Um, But do we stop and talk to him face to face? Do we let him listen to our heart and take time to listen to his? I've underlined the words of verse 36 in my Bible because every time I read this and studied this, it just so stood out to me because God himself says, where I shall meet with you. What an incredible privilege that is. That has a God that is waiting to meet with every one of us. Our relationship gets real with our God. My relationship gets real with my God um, when I sit close to him and pray. It's there that he comes to meet with me. Up close and personal is the sweet fragrance of a holy relationship. Now, I think there's another thing we learn from God's special relationship here, and that is that um, just like this incense that's for the altar of incense, our prayers have got a special recipe for them as well throughout the scriptures. If you read uh, what the scriptures say about uh, prayer, we see that God has given us some ingredients to make our prayer time both personal and intentional. Throughout the scriptures, God guides our prayer time with his own recipe for that meeting face-to-face so that we do have personal and uh, intentional moments with him. Look at 1 Timothy 2. First of all, then I urge that supplications and prayers, intercessions and thanksgivings be made for all people. And Philippians 4, 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer, supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. We could go on and on this morning reading great scriptures about prayer and what that recipe for prayer is. Um, It's praise and adoration and confession. Thanksgiving, supplication are all part of God's guide for us to make our prayers intentional and purposeful. If we had time, we could turn to Matthew 6 and look at the Lord's Prayer. I think we're all probably familiar with the Lord's Prayer. Uh, We would see that Jesus, in, in the Lord's Prayer, as he prays it before the disciples, he teaches us to praise God because the very first line of his prayer starts out, Our Father, who art in heaven who art in heaven, what a praise. He teaches us to confess our sins because he says, forgive us our trespasses. He teaches us to really seek God's will when we pray. He says, thy will be done. And to place our petitions before him because he said, oh Lord, lead us not into temptation. Just as God gives Moses a recipe for sacred uh, incense, right next to his presence, Jesus himself Um, our Lord Jesus gives us a guide for meeting with our Father in prayer. You know, the altar of incense has these carefully crafted spices placed close to God himself. And what they remind us is that it's about us and him. It's personal and it's intentional. Um, 
And when we sit close to God and intentionally pour out our heart, we're going to breathe in that aroma of a sweet relationship that's going to swirl around us. Okay, let's finish up. Let's read. uh, Let's get back up in Exodus 30. We're going to start at verse 7 in Exodus 30. Let's read together. And Aaron shall burn fragrant incense on it. Every morning when he dresses the lamps, he shall burn it. And when Aaron sets up the lamps at twilight, he shall burn it. A regular incense offering before the Lord throughout your generations. You shall not offer unauthorized incense on it or a burnt offering or a grain offering. And you shall not pour out a drink offering on it. Aaron shall make atonement on its horns once a year with the blood of the sin offering of atonement. He shall make atonement for it once a year throughout your generations. It is most holy to the Lord. Okay, so what we see here is that the high priest who's identified here in this passage is Aaron. He comes into the holy place. He has the coals from the bronze altar in the courtyard where the daily burnt offerings were offered. And he has this special incense that we have been talking about. And he pours those coals out and pours that incense on top of it morning and night. And the result is this sweet fragrance of incense and it burns constantly as a sign of uninterrupted devotion to the Lord uninterrupted that fragrance never um, never stops all day long and just as it's waning in the evening in comes Aaron again and he puts out more coals and more incense and that uninterrupted devotion to the Lord continues Uh, these verses make it clear from the text that only this incense is to be offered uh, on the altar of incense here as we saw earlier with his sons and nothing else to be placed on there and that includes a grain offering or a drink offering only the incense and it points us to the truth that in our relationship with God There is no substitute for prayer. There is nothing that we can put in place of prayer. You know, there was a place in the tabernacle for grain offerings and for uh, drink offerings, but it was not on the altar of incense. And there's a place in our relationship with God for other things as well. There's a place for tithing and for fellowship and for service. But we should never let those things take the place of our prayer relationship with the Holy God. So in its exclusive purpose for the burning of incense, the altar of incense represents for us the exclusive place that prayer has in our relationship with God. There is nothing that should ever take its place. We should not become so busy with our relationships in the body of Christ or with our service that we don't have time to nurture and constantly commune with our God. Now, Aaron is named here, as I said earlier, as the high priest who entered the holy place and burned it morning and night. Now, those high priest things seem a little bit foreign to us today here. We don't have those in our uh, relationship with the Lord right here um, as we sit in this sanctuary. But they actually do have meaning for us today as we sit here together um, because we actually do have a high priest 
We have a high priest right now that has opened the door of the throne room to heaven for us. And it is, I know you know, our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, He reigns as our high priest today. He is the high priest that has atoned for our sins once for all through his own blood on the cross. And he is our high priest that stands right at this moment at the right hand of God interceding for us. Look at Hebrews 4.14 on your verse sheet. Since then, we have a high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And look down at Romans 8.34. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. So when we think about Aaron entering the holy place and pouring that altar, uh, that incense on the altar, we can think about our Lord Jesus because he is our high priest standing right at this moment at the right hand of the throne of God interceding for us. And it is because of our Lord Jesus, and we're going to talk more and more about this in the weeks to come, that we have direct access to God, that we don't have to stand outside the fence or the tent of the meeting while the priest goes in. We can walk right in there with the high priest, our Lord Jesus, um, as he prays on our behalf. He also bestowed on us the privilege of priesthood ourselves. Isn't that phenomenal? We're going to talk about the priestly garments in a few weeks. And when we do, I want you to know that our Lord Jesus has dressed you in those priestly garments as well. well, We are part of the priesthood of all believers so that we can intercede on behalf of other people. If you got that text message prayer this morning like I did, you are going to be the priest that um, prays for them before the throne of God. Look at 1 Peter 2.5 on your verse sheet. You yourselves are like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. It is us that goes into the holy place and the holy of holies um, as priests as well. Now we also see here in this text in verse 10 that it was Aaron the high priest who consecrated the altar um, with the blood placed on its horns once a year on the day of atonement. He did that to make it ceremonially clean each and every year so that this altar when the incense was burned on it would be a holy place that it would remain holy year after year because a sacrifice had been made and placed on it. And I know um, you probably all know this morning that our atonement for sin isn't made each and every year. It's been made once and for all by our high priest. Our Lord Jesus doesn't have to get on that cross every single year in order for us to go into the throne room, does he? It's been made once and for all through the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. We will never need another blood sacrifice But you know what we do need? When we sit down in prayer, what we do need is to get our hearts right before God. 
in order to experience that sweet aroma of a holy relationship. And we want our relationship with God to be right, don't we? When we draw near to the throne of grace, what cleanses and consecrates us is not a drop of blood on an altar. What cleanses and consecrates us is just confessing our need for that blood that our Lord Jesus uh, shed on the cross for us. That's what we do when we go to God in prayer and confess and confess. Theologian Warren Wiresby, when I was studying this, I thought this was an interesting statement. He says that even in prayer, we can sin. And you know what? If you think about that, that is really true. He is right. You know, in prayer, we sin if we harbor our sin because we don't confess it. We can go to prayer Um, and I can confess this myself this morning, I can go to prayer and be selfish. I can go to prayer and be angry. I can go to prayer and be proud. I can go to prayer and just simply refuse to acknowledge my past fails, flaws, and sins. I can just keep them back even as I'm asking God to be part of this relationship with me. We can even condemn God when we're in prayer. We can tell him what fault he has in our difficult circumstances. Our prayers are only going to be filled with this sweet aroma that the altar of incense reminds us of when we willingly draw close to the Lord in confession. In confession, asking for his forgiveness, which he gives freely. He's waiting for our confession because the blood of Christ has already been offered for each and every one of us. You know, at the altar of incense, it was a a once-a-year cleansing to be made holy. For us, it's just this simple, humbling thing to confess every time we sit down in that face-to-face with our holy God. I know a single mom, um, and I love this story. She told it a few years ago. She had a pier and beam house uh, with a crawl space under her house, and she began to smell the most terrible odor throughout her entire house. She finally um, narrowed it down to the fact that there was a dead critter in that crawl space under her house. If you've ever had that, you know how horrible it smells, and it goes everywhere. You can't stop it. Um, Now, this is a brave and a capable gal, but crawling under her house to retrieve a dead animal wasn't really on her bucket list. Um, But she did have three young sons as well. They were only 7, 9, and 11 at the time, but um, I think this was a boy adventure in their mind, and so with a little push from her, they agreed to gear up and go under the house so they put on headlamps and they got gloves and a shovel and a trash bag and off they went under the house until they found that dead possum it turned out to be they put it in the trash bag and you know what happened as soon as that dead critter was removed from under the house the stink dissipated and her house began to smell like home again pretty quickly You know, this was a reminder to me as I studied this that um, I need the courage. I need the courage of those three little boys to go into the dark places of sin in my own life to put on that headlamp of the Holy Spirit and confess before the Lord. And when I do that, that sweet fragrance of my relationship with the Lord comes back and it smells like home again. Look at Psalm 66, 18 on your verse sheet. 
If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened, but truly God has listened. He has attended to the prayer of, to the voice of my prayer. You know, when we look at this beautifully constructed altar, the carefully crafted incense, the strict obedience of the high priest who was required to go in morning and night with the exact recipe uh, to keep the sweet aroma blowing through that veil of the Holy Holies. It points us to the truth um, that prayer is important, doesn't it? It gives us uh, the understanding that prayer is both a high calling and a great responsibility in our life. And it's a divinely given privilege. It's a divinely given privilege, this high calling and great responsibility. And, you know, we have no greater uh, example or model of that than our Lord Jesus in his life. And once again, the tabernacle and its furnishings point us straight to our Lord Jesus. He had the high calling. He knew the great responsibility of prayer that's symbolized here in the altar of incense. And, you know, all through his life, we see him exercising that great privilege in order to have the sweet aroma of a holy relationship with his Father in prayer. I'm just going to read you a couple of scriptures that they're not on your verse sheet that uh, really show us that truth in his life. Life. He prayed when he was baptized. Listen to Luke 3.21. Now when all the people were baptized and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heavens opened. He prayed morning and night, just like the high priest in the tabernacle. If you know his life on earth, you know that when he went out in the morning to meet the crowds, he'd already had time with the Father. Mark 135 says, after rising early in the morning, it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Matthew 14, 23 tells us he prayed at the end of the day after he'd been with crowds of people all day long. After he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain to pray by himself. We also know that he prayed the night of his arrest in the Garden of Gethsemane, didn't he? And we know that he prayed on the cross. As he was dying with our sins, um, he prayed, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. The altar of incense and our Lord Jesus Christ point us to the truth that this divine calling called prayer is the sweet aroma of that holy relationship, the privilege that we have to meet night and day with the Father. Let's pray. Father, what a privilege, what an opportunity it is to sit with you every minute of every day, just like that incense wafted up constantly. Father, we thank you for that privilege. We thank you for the truth that you give us in your word. We thank you for our Lord Jesus Christ that modeled and exemplified that relationship with you. Lord, you are a holy God. We thank you that you love us. And you have drawn us to yourself. And I pray this in the name of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks, ladies.